All right, church, how are we this morning? So good to have all of you guys here. Let's welcome all our first-time guests and everyone watching online real quick. Let's give a quick shout-out to them. Hey, it is really good to have you guys. We are kicking off a brand-new series this week called Unshaken. Unshaken. Unshaken, this title reminds me of several years back. We got to go out to California to visit some friends of ours, and we went to Knott's Berry Farm. Anybody ever heard of Knott's Berry Farm? It's like an outdoor park. Uh, how many of you guys are like roller coaster people here? You're like roller coaster people? All right, I didn't know that like roller coasters like have followings. So at Knott's Berry Farm, we went there and everyone was saying, you got to ride, you got to ride, you got to ride the Ghost Rider. Now, if you've ever heard of the Ghost Rider, it's, it's bad to the bone. Um, it's known to be one of those wooden style ro- roller coasters that will, that as you get going, it'll shake your teeth loose. Now, I'm not a roller coaster person, but I know there are people that are roller coaster kind of people. And they like, they know about roller coasters and talk about roller coasters. And so we went there and we, as soon as we got there, my kids were like so ready to get out of the car. You know, they, they wanted to get onto the stuff. And so Christy and I, we walked up to this roller coaster, and this was like the one that everybody had to ride. And it just was, lo and behold, at that moment, there wasn't a huge line. So may, this might be like one of those epic fail parent moments. It'll be yours to, de- to decide. But we went ahead and said, you know what, kids, you guys go ahead and ride that one. We're going to wait a little while till we get into the groove. Uh, so my two, two, we have three kids. Two of them wanted to, go, wanted to go ahead and ride. So we said, you go ahead. What we did not realize is as they were on their way up before the big massive first drop-off, we realized, you know, for years we were, I did student ministry, and we did roller coasters, but we never took our kids to ride roller coasters. So here's my oldest, then she was probably 13, and my youngest, who was like five or six, and we're thinking, we might have rethought this a little better. So about that time, they go up to the top, and my son then, uh, every now and then, you, people will say, your son, his voice is still on the high side. And he'll say to me on occasion, he'll say, Dad, when is my voice going to get lower, right? And, and uh, he's 11 now, so it's, it's dropped a little bit be- b- below that. But all of a sudden, this thing goes up, and we hear JD above everybody else. And we, we've, we've walked off probably about 100 yards so we could like, get a good angle of the entire roller coaster because this thing is like one of the longest wooden roller coasters out there, and it's known to be one of the roughest. Well, they come back, and J.D.'s like, he, he literally he screamed his head off. We were, in, we were in fear for them, and he gets off, and he's dizzy, and he's like, let's do it again. He was all pumped. We were like shocked. But Ali said on the way up, he, he saw the big drop-off coming, and I think it said something like, get ready, you're going to die, or something like that. He started jumping up, trying to get out of, the, uh, out of the thing. And she was like, Mom, I've never even been on one before in here. I'm having to be responsible for him. And he's screaming his lungs out. So, uh, so the epic pa- parent failure, yes. Uh, and we, here's, here's what's crazy about this. Uh, I think about that roller coaster. And it really is similar to how much of life is for a lot of us. You can get to a place where you get going in life, and it can be so rough, so wild, where you feel like it's shaking your teeth loose, right? And so we're starting this series called Unshaken for this idea that, one, I want you to walk away in this series understanding that God is good. God is good. And the reason I say that up front is, 
for many of us, we judge God not by his love and his grace and who he is. We judge God by the circumstances that we're in. And I want to help us through the passage I'm going to show you today to reverse that, to help you to start thinking realistically when you're in the midst of your circumstances. Not, let's not allow them to judge God, but let, let's take who God is and let's judge and look at our circumstances by who God is, not the reverse. So I want to look at a passage today, and I, all I'm going to do today is I'm going to walk you through um, one really amazing Bible story of a guy named Elijah who went through a really, really, really rough time. So if you got your Bibles today, I want you to, ha- I want you to look up 1 Kings. 1 Kings, if you have a Bible today, is probably, I don't know, eight or nine chapters, uh, books in the Bible, uh, into, your, into the first part of your Bible, which is called the Old Testament. So look up 1 Kings. We're going to look at chapter 19, and we're going to study this guy, Elijah, for the next four weeks. And I'm going to pull out some incredible meat, and my prayer is that God would let this truth, the truth of his word, shape your hearts and equip you for what you're going through. Because I'm just, I'm just like you. Everybody has stuff that, they, that they're carrying. Everybody, if you're not going through a difficulty, you know you're going to go through one or you've just come through one. But I want to help you to be able to go through life and not get your socks rocked off. I want you to weather these storms and know that you can stand firmly on some amazing truths about who God is and what he believes about you and even leveraging these circumstances how God wants you to leverage them or how he's going to leverage them. So let's do this. Let's just pause for a moment. Let me just pray for this message for us, okay? God, we, uh, we pause for a moment, and God, I, I, I am not the source of truth. I, I just merely want to deliver what you have placed on my heart through this, this passage. So, Lord, I pray that nothing in my life would stand between what is said and what is heard today. God, I pray that you would, you would illuminate your word. You would uh, help it to wiggle down deep into our hearts. For some of us, help it be, to be a, a fresh new truth that we did not know. God, for others of us, I pray that it would be a fresh new, fresh truth that we've known that we forgot. But Lord, however that we receive this, God, I pray that you would use it to shape us to a real honest-to-goodness look at who you are, how much you love us, and how you can use stuff like this to, to shape our hearts and lives. Bless this to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so a little background story. Um, this guy, Elijah, um, he was a guy who literally was all shook up, all right? He'd gone through a really, really rough season, and he's in a rough season right now in this passage. Um, he's a prophet of God, meaning prophets of God in the Old Testament uh, were named that because they literally heard from God, and then they passed on what God said to the others, the other people. So he's not, the, he's not a, he's a, he's a religious leader that really was connecting with the, the, the real God and was passing on what he was saying to the children of Israel. Uh, at that time, uh, Israel was worshiping other gods. So they had, they had turned away from the one true living God, were worshiping false gods. They were under the leadership of a real evil king named Ahab, and his wife was even worse. 
like the, 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 probably the, the worst combination of Israel's leadership of all times, Ahab and his wife Jezebel. She was, he was evil. He, she was ten times as evil as her husband. And so during this time, uh, there was a lot of false prophets because Israel had turned away from God. They're worshiping false gods. So they've got all these like phony prophet guys out there not worshiping the one true real God. They're worshiping all these crazy jack leg, anything goes, you know, gods. Uh, and they're trying to say our God's real while Elijah's saying, no, 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 you got us all wrong. So they have a showdown, right, where they kind of showcase their stuff. And Elijah's like, okay, whatever, and our God's real. And everybody knows it now. And so these guys, he squashed these, these guys, but then Jezebel gets mad and puts, puts a price on his head and has their entire kingdom coming after Elijah. So it says this in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. We'll start there. It says, Elijah, or Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now, that's a, that's a bad day, right? You wake up in the morning. All, all of a sudden, you have an aha moment. You're like, oh, that's right. I've got to run. They're out to kill me. So he wakes up that morning, and he runs off to a town in Judah called Beersheba, and he leaves his servant there. So now he's all alone. And it says in verse 4, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. And it says he sat down on a, under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. And this is what he said. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better off than my ancestors who have already died. So this guy is just like, he's just like, whatever. It, it's all done. It's over. God, just take my life. He might be having a pity party, but we know that this guy mentally and physically, he's, he's had enough. Literally, that, that word, I've had enough, translated literally is too long, too much. The truth is, this morning when some of you walked in, um, you, you, you kind of, that's, that's your MO today. Uh, perhaps some of you today, you are in your mind, you're saying it's been too long and it's too much. Maybe fina- financially, maybe your finances, uh, they're, they're in such disarray that you're like, I can't bear them any longer. Uh, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's something going on at work. Maybe it's something physical. I, I have several friends right now with some major, major issues with cancer. Uh, and, and I just know that many of you walked in today, and you're, you're saying exactly what he's saying, that I've had enough. I've had enough. So here we learn, like, here we see out of this guy's life. Elijah, big-time follower of God. He's not a rookie. He's a seasoned veteran. He's walked with God. He knows God. He trusts God. He believes in God. But we can see, even if you're a seasoned, mature believer, you can get shook up, Right? This guy is a serious follower of God, seasoned veteran, and his world's shook up. Mentally, he's not in a good place. And maybe this is one of his worst seasons. Maybe, he's been a, maybe there's been lots of seasons like this. Uh, but, but he's shook up. So uh, let me just say this. In your notes today, I've got some really cool notes for you. And I, I just want to pull from this passage 
stuff that we can pull from his life. Some of the stuff, you'll, it'll just come out. And other things, I, I want you to look in and, and, and really see this for yourselves in Scripture. But here's the first thing. The first thing I think we can learn from Elijah in your notes is this. First thing is this. Admit you've had enough. Admit you've had enough. Um, Elijah gets real with God here. And he just, he just has this moment where he's just like, you know what? I've, I've, I'm, I'm now on my loan. I'm, 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 in, I'm now all alone. And I want to I wanna vent. I want to maybe confess. I want to let God know I'm mad. You know, however he arrives at this point, he, he lets it all out. He confesses. And truth be told that confession is good for the soul. Uh, I pulled this uh, off the web recently. I found some uh, funny confessions about people's most embarrassing moments related to food. Uh, so I thought I'd read you a couple of these. Here's, here's a lady. It said, it might not count because I'm massively pregnant, but I woke up in the middle of the night, poured an entire box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch into a big glass bowl, threw in a bag of marshmallows, hello, drizzled it with melted butter, and then put, in, uh, put it in the microwave to melt the, mush- the marshmallows, and then I watched Dexter for two hours and ate the whole thing while crying. <laughs> um. Some of you guys now have a plan for later on tonight. Uh, here's, here's a guy. I told my wife I was going to the gym, but somehow I ended up going to McDonald's instead. I ate, I ate four cheeseburgers in the parking lot and waited a little while while it seemed long enough for a workout. When I got home, I poured water, I poured water on my head and shirt to look like I'd been sweating. This is the absolute saddest and fattest thing I've ever done. <laughs> All right, here's another girl. Uh, I just realized I have two girls and one guy in this story, so d- please don't hear read anything into that, okay? I could have gotten more guys. But anyways, uh, I ate half a cake once when I should have only eaten one piece. I was horrified and didn't want anyone to know, so I finished the cake, baked a whole new one, and forced myself to eat the one allowed piece. I later threw up in dinner, during dinner. Uh, so confession's good for the soul, right? Um, so here we have Elijah that, uh, that he just, he's got he's to get it off his chest. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but, but I have found in my life that this is, this is true. There are times I can be so stressed out, so worried Working the angle of how to solve a problem, right? Uh, it can be middle of the night. Oftentimes, that's what happens to me. Middle of the night or any time during the day. But, but I'll, I'll, be, I'll have it all on my mind, and I'll try to think of every which way I can to fix it, solve it. I'll, I'll role play things out. I'll have arguments with people. I'll have, like, things I've got to confront someone on, and I'll role play all that stuff out. But there's something powerful when it comes to, like, actually saying it, like physically getting it out and saying it. Have you ever noticed this? There's something powerful when it comes to, like, confession. There's something powerful. Even, like, say, okay, you, you, you've got the same scenario as I've got. Maybe you've got some problems going on. Maybe you're rolling, role-playing some stuff. Have you ever just, like, opened your mouth and just got it out to God? Like, whether you're praying to God or you're just having a hissy fit moment and you just shout it out because you're mad or hurt or angry, here's the thing we see. He does this. And he vents here in, in a moment even more so. But here's the deal with God. 
God can handle it. In fact, I think God likes it. I think God likes it when we bear all that we're struggling with to him. How do, how do we know this? Well, all we see everywhere in Scripture is that God longs for the relationship. He doesn't wish for us to be alone. All through Scripture, we, we read things like um, God's with us. God's with us. God's speaking to us. Uh, God will never leave us or forsake us. I mean, you, if, you, if you ever read Scripture, what you'll learn is God wants to be with you. He doesn't want you to feel alone. He doesn't want you to be alone. God wants to be with you. And when it comes to our struggles and difficulties, we see a guy who admits, I've had it. I've had enough. And God's cool with that. So, verse 5, it says, Then Elijah, he lays down, and he sleeps under a broom tree. Uh, but as he's sleeping, an angel touches him and tells him, Get up and eat. Now, this is just a, a moment where God shows up, kind of angelic form, but it's basically God tapping this guy on the shoulder and just showing up in his life, right? He doesn't have to, but he loves this guy. He's for this guy. He's going through some difficult times. And here God basically just shows up. And he, uh, as he's sleeping, the angel touches him and tells him, get up and eat. Now, I love that. I, I, I'd wait. I'd, I'd have a field day if God tapped me in the middle of the night and said, hey, y'all, just go on to the fridge and eat something, right? It looked like, it looked like a strobe light in my house with the refrigerator door open. open you know what I'm saying? So... So he looks around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones. I mean, God's just with this guy. God's like nurturing him. He's going through a difficult time. He's tapping him. He's telling him to get up and eat. There's some water there. So what does Elijah do? Elijah, Elijah, or Elijah gets up, and he eats, he drinks, and he lays down again. And then it says the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up, eat some more. For the journey ahead will be too much for you. So, obviously, God knows what's going on in his life, and God knows what's going to go on down the road a little bit further. And he realizes this guy needs some, some what? Some nourishment, right? He, he, he needs to get healthy. He needs to be strong. He needs to be prepared because what's coming next is more difficulty, some more struggle. And I don't want him to be weak. I want him to be, I want him to be ready for what's coming up next. So he got up, he ate and he drank, and the food gave him strength enough to travel. What does it say there? This is, per, this is pertinent to this story. Forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai, the mountains of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now, I can say a lot about this moment. But we know he's really messed up mentally and physically, right? He's messed up because God shows up, and do you, you, you know what he did here? He took a nap. He took a nap. And, and I, I think this is uh, kind of sometimes we want to over-spiritualize stuff, but maybe, just maybe, one of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap, right? God shows up in this guy's life, and he realizes he's, he's maybe, maybe he's undernourished. Maybe he's so stressed out. Maybe he's been on the go so much that he's tired and he's hungry. And God shows up and, and pushes him to eat and to get some sleep. 
So in your notes today, I think one of the smartest things you can do sometimes is to not neglect some of the most basic things. You need to take a nap. You might need to put the, push the pause button and on all the stuff you're trying to solve and fix because maybe you're just too tired to go at it right now. Maybe you're going to go at whatever it is, this difficulty in your, your marriage or your relationship, and maybe mentally you're not at a good place to address it. Maybe just maybe you need to take a chill pill, back up. Maybe some of you today go home after church and just say, look, everybody, I'm going to take a nap. And that might be one of the most spiritual things you do today. Just telling you what I'm seeing in Scripture. I just know how it is for me. I can be so stressed out leading up to my bedtime and get a really good, long, deep sleep and wake up the next morning and be like, what was I worried about again? Right? Sometimes, give it a week. Take, take, take some break away from it. Get some rest. Eat some good quality food, right? Don't eat at McDonald's and have four hamburgers and skip your gym workout. Go to the gym. Sleep well that night. Eat fruit. Not Krispy Kreme donuts in my church, right? But maybe, just maybe, this is for some of you guys this morning to just realize don't miss some of your basic needs. There was a study I was looking at this last week. I was just researching and found a really cool study about a guy who charted a family that was a very busy family, sports and school and extracurricular, all kind of stuff. And they were just, they're like probably most of us, just going, 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 going. And so what they did was they said, all right, we're going to drop, drop all the stuff. You're going to come home every day. You're going to just be a family. And you're not going, as soon as it gets dark, you're going to turn off all your screens. So the TV went off, the, the iPad went off, the, 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 the computer shut down, the phones were put up somewhere. And what they said happened was over about 90 days, the first 30 days, they, they, they you know, they were kind of like bored, didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, they started going to bed really, really early, and they were just sleeping for 11 hours every day. They did that for like 30 days. I mean, they, obviously, they were wore out. They said it balanced out, and they balanced out to around eight hours a day. They were getting eight hours a day of sleep. And then they said it was crazy because they weren't talking much prior to that. They weren't uh, engaging much. But it says after about 40 days, it says that they all of a sudden started joking more, playing around more. They said that their, like, happiness levels went up, and they laughed a ton, ton more. Like, they had a lot more fun with each other. At the end of the 90 days, it said they were happier, healthier, and they enjoyed each other a whole lot more. I was like, that's a pretty good idea right there. So you can't, you can't ignore some of the most basic things, even here in Scripture. It reminds us some of the most spiritual things we can do is to, is to pay attention to our gauges and where they're at. Some of y'all need to get some rest. Some of you need to eat a little better. Pay attention to some of the things. Just telling you what happened to Elijah. So, uh, second thing, right after this, after he's now traveling, he's on his way to Mount Sinai, um, the, the, the Lord says to him, um, it says, but the Lord said to him, where are you now? Or, or what, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I don't think this has to do with literally 
his like looking for a response from Elijah, like, hey, God, uh, we're like four rocks past a tree. You know, Elijah probably doesn't have a clue where he's at. Uh, but God knows where he's at. And I think what's cool about this, that whole 40 days and 40 nights on their way to Mount Sinai, scholars say it only takes 10 days from where he was to get to Mount Sinai. Pretty cool part of the story. So why does it take 40 days? We call this in God's, I think in God's economy, the scenic route. Because don't you, don't you if you've ever studied the Bible before, especially the Old Testament, God has a way of, taking some lefts and some rights when you could get there quicker, and, and we just call it the wilderness, right? God will oftentimes allow us the scenic route in order to, to lead us through a wilderness experience to grow us, to shape us, to humble us, to maybe grab our attention. Uh, I, I've often, in my more adult years, I really enjoy being around broken people. I, I love being around broken people. I'd rather be around a broken person than a, a person who's never been broken before because they don't judge you a whole lot. <laughs> you ever notice that? Someone who's got some bumps and some bruises and have gone through some hard times and they've got some scarring going on, they are people I really, really enjoy being around. Why? Because they're humble. They, they, they know where their strength really comes from. They're not judging you. They're not always critiquing you. And I think that's what happens to us. Here he's on this truck that could take 10 days, but God says, no, 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 we need 40 days. 40 days to strengthen you, to shape you, to grow you, to prepare you for what's next. You're not ready for what's next, Elijah, but I'm going to get you ready for what's next. And we see God, God of the universe, dropping down on one guy's life in order to rest him up, to prepare him, to shape him. Isn't that cool? That's such a great reminder for us because like him, when you're in the midst of your stuff, it's, it's hard to step out of it and look down on it, right? When we're in the midst of our stuff, you just see what's right around you. And when we're looking at our circumstances, man, it's so easy to get tripped up and think God doesn't love me or God's not a good God. God's an angry God or he's a harsh God or he's mad at me kind of God or he's forgotten me, that kind of God but we see just the opposite, and I think that's the point of this passage. It's the point of the passage. And here's the, the second point I want to give you. You can't be lost when you're with God. You may not know how to tell God where you are, but you know when you're with God, because He is God, if God can't get lost and you're with God, you can't get lost. So it's a great place to be, be near, be near God. Be near God. He's with God. Although God says, where are you right now? I don't think that's the point. I think he's just wanting to remind him that if you're with me, that's the best place you can be. So when you're going through a hard time, man, don't run off. Stay near and close to the one who loves you the most. Verse 10, it says, Elijah replies after God says, where are you? And, and he vents, I mean, he just, he lets, him, he lets God have it, I think. Elijah replies, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant to you. Now, he's supposed to be passing on this information to Israel. They're not doing what he says. They've run off. They've got their own false gods. And now, you know, people are trying to kill him, and he's just he's fed up with it. They've broken their covenant to you. They've torn down their altars. They've killed every one of your, your prophets. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And I love this. 
Verse 11, God tells him something. He says, he says to Elijah, go out and stand before me in the mountain. That's what the Lord tells him. Now, here's, here's, a, here's an amazing truth. Look in your notes. You can write this down. When you're with God, you can stand. You can stand when you're with God. The nearer and closer you are to God, the stronger and more stable you will be. I see it all the time in my role as a pastor. I see couples who are far from God, who their world not just unshaken or shook up, their world's rocked sometimes almost seemingly beyond repair. And I see couples who are following God, they'll get shook up. I mean, just much like we see Elijah here. They'll, they'll, they'll get mad at God. They'll, 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 you know, get waffly and weak and struggle. But I can see a massive difference when people are walking with God, how they weather difficulties and how they come out on the other side. You may think you're lost. You may feel like you're lost. But you can't be lost when you're with God. So, right after that, um, it says, the latter portion of verse 11, it says, And Elijah stood there. He stood there. He could stand. And it says, and I think this, is this, this next little passage here is really unique. God gets a bad rap for, for everything that goes on in the world, right? Uh, when we, we know we live in a fallen world, stuff just happens because it's fallen, right? Um, and Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks, that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but it says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was, there was something else. But I want to just say, I mean, we hear about the acts of God, right? We hear about the winds and the fire and the earthquake. God's like, I didn't do it here, Right? I get accused of all that when, you know, we're in a fallen world, stuff happens. But God makes a clear case here that he wasn't doing that at that moment in his life. That was just happening. But what he does want to be, what, what, what he wants us to see, and I think he's making clear to Elijah, is in the midst of your difficulties, when all that stuff's swirling around, when wind's hitting and rocks are coming unloose, when there's an earthquake that's happening, when there's fire happening, in the midst of all that, that you can focus on as circumstances, notice what happens here. It's in the midst of all that, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. In other, other uh, translations, it says, a still, small voice. See, here's the thing. In the midst of your greatest mess, if you will slow down long enough, take your eyes off your circumstances and just look for God, I promise you, He's there. We see this passage where a guy is going through probably the worst experience of his life. Just, he's all alone. Everybody's trying to kill him. That's, that's about as bad as it gets, right? You, some of you guys are army dudes. You know, you ever got lost? You're out there with the enemy. You know they're all against you and you've lost your boys. That's a, that's a long, bad, bad night. And this guy, that's, what, that's what's happening to him. And all of a sudden, in the midst of all this confusion and struggle, God whispers to him. I don't know what he says, but I know what it means. It, it means I love you. It means I got you. It means I'm with you. 
It means we're going to work our way through this. It doesn't mean I got all the answers. It doesn't mean I, I know what's coming next. But here's the thing. God knows. And again, when I'm with him, I can't be lost because he knows the beginning from the end. So here's the thing. Are we listening? Are we listening? It's so easy to just keep moving, trying to solve, fix, focus on all our stuff when all God wants from us is slow down long enough to hear me. Slow down long enough for me to help you. Slow down long enough for me to give you strength. It may feel like you're lost, but you're not because I'm with you. And I think that's for all of us today. Some of you right now, you, you, you came this morning and you're carrying some weight. I mean, you feel like you drug, like you drug a car in this morning. And the weight of it feels like it's crushing you. Can I tell you, God's with you. Can I tell you, don't quit. Can I tell you that in this moment, perhaps God is whispering to you and just wants you to be reminded, I'm a good God and I love you. Hang on. Let's get through this together. Um, I... Um, the end of this verse is this. When Elijah heard it, uh, God's small whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And I think this is unique. And again, a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Again, in the midst of all this calamity, all this meth, here, here's God speaking to him again. I, I don't think he really wants to know or really wants an answer of what are you doing here? I think it was just a reminder. You're with me. You're with me. Don't forget. Um, when I was telling Christy about the idea of telling our um, Knott's Berry Farm roller coaster adventure, she reminded me that um, one of the clearest times in our life where we went through a hard time and we knew God was whispering to us has to do with J.D. and that scream going over the top just the, the whole Knott's Berry Farm heard my son scream and we just want to say we're so proud the boy can scream because when he was born when he was born the first three or four weeks of his life right after he was born they laid him on the table and all of a sudden we were watching and we didn't know what was happening but we saw his lungs just sink down in his chest his lungs collapsed and for a, a good long period we, we, we did not know if he was going to make it and, and we, we, had, we shared a couple of tears. We begged. We pleaded with God. Uh, I mean, it was my first son. I was like, I got girls. We've been baby dolls for such a long time. God, you give me this boy. Don't take him from me. Right? And now, 11 years later, I mean, the kids got lungs like nobody's business. I mean, seriously, we, we crack up. That, that For people who don't know that part of the story, we remind them of that part of the story. Like, because for us, that was God during that time strengthening us for future days. Even for him, that's been a source of like, hey, God's got you on this planet. You, you could have been gone that day, but you're here for a purpose. And, and what's so funny about my son, he, he can run like nobody's business. He can run all day long. About four or five years ago when he was like seven years old, we had one of our local running coaches that heard J.D. could run. He was fast. They said, hey, do you care if I just take him for one afternoon and just 
we're going to run a little bit. We said, no, run with him. So he said, we're just going to run at an eight-mile pace, and I just want to see how long he can keep that pace up. He goes, we're like mile six. And he's like jogging and not breathing. He said, a thunderstorm comes, and we got to turn around and go back. He's like, this boy, he's a stud. And I think, you know what? He's a testimony of who God is. It reminds us of that time when we were rocked and we didn't know what was next and we didn't know if our little guy was going to live. But however the story shakes out, we know this. God's a good God. God loves us. In the midst of your darkest struggles, God's not forgotten you. And maybe just this week, you would get on your knees, maybe do a little confession, maybe shout out whatever you're upset about, hurt for, mad about, and start slowing down long enough to get some rest, maybe take a nap, and just start listening. Because I promise you, just as he was for Elijah, God wants to be for you. And sometimes it's in a still small voice. Maybe it's not some massive thing where God drops down and some explosion, or maybe it's just something small. I got a friend, I saw her yesterday. Uh, JD and I are mowing somebody's yard who are going through a real difficult time in their family. And uh, she came out and she said, thank you for mowing our grass. I said, hey, it's the least we could do. And she said, you know what? And, and in that moment, a, 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 a hawk flew over and was like, not, a, not crow, not, I just made a crow noise. But a hawk flew over, that, that screeching, piercing, and it's kind of, a, I don't know, I've always thought hawks are pretty cool birds. And she goes, that hawk's there every day. I don't have a hawk in my yard every day, but she says, every day a hawk flies in my yard. She goes, you know, when I was little, my dad used to always tell me that hawks were good luck. And she says, I'm not superstitious at all. She said, but for me, with my family going what we're, what we're going through, she goes, I can tell you God's, God's speaking to me and reminding me that he's not forgotten my, my family as my husband's dying right now. That hawk's a reminder. And I want to say, if we'll slow down enough, I promise you, God wants to speak and whisper to your soul today. Let's pray. God, we, we want to just pause right now and say thank you that you're with us. God, thank you that you love us. And God, let that be the clearest thing that we know. God is a God who loves. Clearly, God, you gave us your son, your only son. You gave him up to be sacrificed and to die. I would never do that. I could never give up my family to be sacrificed for any reason, God. But you did that for us. God, that's a constant reminder of forgiveness, of grace, and love. So, Lord, we we pause right now and say thank you. And, God, I ask that you would give people strength today. Give them courage. And, God, give them the ability to slow down, to hear you, and to not quit. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray.